I started Breathing Spaces. Um, I, I know there's a need out there. Family caregivers need support um, and they need it from a heart space, you know? Um, breathing Spaces goes and supports people in the ways that I feel like they need it. And from what I hear from, from the caregivers that have joined us, they do need this. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. With me today is Cindy Mariner. She is with Breathing Spaces, which is here in Northern California. Thanks for joining me, Cindy. Absolutely, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So tell me about yourself and how you came to start Breathing Spaces. So I was in a position to be a family caregiver myself. Um, This was years ago. My dad had gotten fairly ill. I think it was around 2008. Um, So I was watching my mom become a caregiver for my dad. Um, He was a very active man. Suddenly he had gone through circulatory problems, ended up with diabetes, amputated leg. I mean, it was a very big shift, right? For the whole family for that matter. Um, but watching mom in that position was interesting um, and trying to understand what you say and you don't say interesting, you know, it's, yes, it's that interesting time in your life. Um, and plus you're not, you know, seeing your family go through something like that is it's a little traumatizing, you know, um, I think you can understand that. Um, and when dad ultimately passed away in 2010, Um, and that was a very difficult time. Jennifer, I remember distinctly sitting at a dining room table at mom's house, and there was this, these people across the table, and they were from hospice, and I thought, who, who are you? What do you mean hospice? What is that? And you want me to give my dad morphine? What are you talking about right now? You know, you don't, when you don't understand something and suddenly it's in your face, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very challenging time. So after that, um, after dad passed away, I ended up moving in with mom. And in the beginning, it was just, you know, it was a couple of girlfriends hanging out. Um, <laughs> but as you may know, when you're suddenly living with someone, um, you see a few more things than you had seen before. Um, And after about a year or so, her health started to decline a little bit. Um, She had arthritis and osteoporosis and a few other things. So she wasn't able to really do things like she had been doing. Um, So that was frustrating for her, of course, because mom was a very strong, determined, stubborn, sorry, mom. just like her daughter. Uh, Sounds like my mom. (laughs) um, You know, so this was, it was hard for her to go through those changes. And for me to watch her go through those stages was difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And there were times when I would try to say, hey, Maud, do you think you should, right? And it, it didn't go over terribly well. Um, It was, you know, that was just, it was a hard time. So, as, as things progressed, ultimately mom ended up having uh, pneumonia twice. Mm. And um, the first time that it happened, she was not, she had gotten a little sick and then a little sicker 
and a little sicker. And she wouldn't go into the doctor. She wasn't going to do it. And uh, do you have you been through this before? <laughs> kind of. Well, my dad was diabetic, and he had a donated kidney that he didn't take care of well because it was a live donation, and it only lasted. He got it in March of 2009, and he passed away March of 2017. So what is that? Uh, eight years? Right. So that's significantly less time than most live organ donations last. Most, From my understanding, most live organ donations last around 20 years, some more, some less. Right. Uh, we have a family friend. It was his friend, too, who donated a kidney to his wife, before my dad passed away and she's still doing great. So it's interesting, but you know, I went through the same thing with hospice. He had a very clear advanced directive and his personal kidney doctor, nephrologist, she, I don't know. She was terrible because he and we ended up visiting and he thought it was 1998. Whereas Three weeks earlier, I had been with both of my parents, and he seemed fine for him. Mm. So that was very strange, and all of a sudden, it was like, holy crap, I have two parents with dementia. Like, what am I going to do? Mm. So that was a whole nightmare to deal with. And the hospital kept saying, well, you know, all these toxins have built up in his system, and if we just do some dialysis, it'll clear up his brain and blah, blah, blah. Well, he was in the hospital for 32 days. He came home. He knew he had a gap in his memory, and he was very eager to fill it. But within three days, he had no freaking clue. And then he fell, and he ended up at a different hospital, one that's got a better rating. And my husband and I were sitting across the table from each other at breakfast. And he goes, well, I wonder how many times we're going to go through this with dad, you know, falling in up in the hospital. And I'm just eating. And I said, we're not doing this again. And I was like, Oh, I think that sounded like a decision. And I have a younger sister and she, I had kid, my daughter kind of early. I was 25. Um, she had struggles. So my niece is 14 years younger than my daughter. So at the time, let's see, my niece was like 12, 11. She's 13 and a half. So, yeah, she was like 11. Mm -hmm. And my nephew was nine. So, yeah, she's got younger kids. She doesn't want to let go of dad. And so I thought, ooh, I have to get her on the same page, which she did come around. And I didn't have any other issues with any other doctors on setting up hospice. And I've talked to my mom's neurologist because we've been on this journey probably 20 years, mm. which is enough. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Mom's not done, but I'm kind of done. And I have made the comment, if she gets pneumonia, we're just calling hospice. I mean, what's, she, my mom is at the point now, and a lot of this has happened in the last two months, where she uses the wrong words frequently. She can't find words frequently. And I think she loses her train of thought part of the way into a sentence because if you say something to her, the beginning of the sentence generally makes sense. And then it just kind of roams off into random areas and you're like, okay, I have no clue what she's trying to tell me. And you're trying to guess because she knows what she's trying to say. Yeah. And she gets frustrated when 
you know, she says something to you and you're like completely clueless. So, yeah, of course. yeah that's where, that's where we're at. Um, I, it's, now that it's summertime and the kids are out of school, I take her out places where kids congregate mm-hmm. because she loves to watch kids. That's good. Doing mm-hmm. something brings her joy like that. Oh yeah. And she always seems better after our, you know, like yesterday we are at the local, um, city owned water park. So it's not like fancy water park. It's, it's, it's very small, but you know, it's got some fun things, you know, some slides, some different things for the kids to play on. And it's for a city pool, basically it's pretty big, but it's not like water world or any of those crazy places. Mm-hmm. So we are sitting there, you know, watching the kids and she loves it. And I'm basically reminding her constantly to drink water. Cause of course, you know, it was quite warm yesterday. And then, you know, when she's ready to go and we go back to her, um, you know, memory residence, she seems like it's like there's just a little bit more clarity mm. between, I think, the sunlight and the joy and the water and the fresh air. <laughs> she just, she always seems just slightly better. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it lasts. She goes back. She's dealing with the other residents. She eats dinner. I go home, deal with my husband. <laughs> right. It's a lot. So that's, yeah. Last week was the worst because I got home and then ended up taking him to the ER. <laughs> right, that's what you were saying. Yeah, I've told him, I said, dude, until mom is gone, you are not at bat. You are not in the ballpark. You are not in the parking lot of a ballpark. Mm-hmm. Knock it off. None of this hospital crap. Right. Not ready for that because, you know, he'll be 55 in October. So it's not like we're that old. Right. It's like, get yourself healthy again, dude. <laughs> right, get back out and let's get on with it. Yeah, it's like, you know, I have a grandmother that the listeners all know. She's 101. It's my dad's mom. And other than blind from glaucoma, she's an ornery as heck, but I don't think that's an age thing. That's just... A, yeah. Because <laughs> um, she lives on her own. Mm-hmm. She should not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she's fine. Her mind is fine. She's, she you know, her mobility is great, you know. The only thing she, her hearing is getting bad and her eyesight is bad, but at 101, you know, not, that's not a bad thing. Right. So I'm like, dude, we got a long way to go. He has longevity on his side too. Right. One so, day. One so day. You were, how long did you take care of your mom? Well, so I ended up being with mom for, she passed away in 2014. Um, so after a couple of bouts of pneumonia, um, as I said, the first one, you know, she wasn't, she didn't want to go into the hospital with a doctor and I stayed up with her all night long, you know, watched mm. to make sure she was breathing and things didn't get a lot worse. And, um, ultimately into the, the emergency the next day. But after that, it was into a skilled, um, nursing facility, home with PT and things began to change even more. Um, after that, uh, it became clear to me that something was just a little bit different here. You know, your role shifts. And back then, the word term family caregiver really wasn't um, quite so broad spread. You know, people didn't really know family caregiver. I didn't. Um, (laughs) There was a program locally that talked about, are you caring for a loved one? If so, we're starting these walks. So come and listen to a seminar. And, you know, it went from there. 
what I learned in that session was number one, I was a family caregiver. Two, I was not alone, that there were a lot of other people out there, that I wasn't crazy, that I wasn't an awful daughter, that I was, you know, maybe I wasn't doing it all perfectly, but that was okay too. So they were doing one walk a month and I joined up. There were about five or seven of us. And after a couple of weeks, I went to them and said, you know, I want to take this program over because I feel like there is something, you've got something going on here, but I see a bigger vision for it. And they let me take over the program. And I took that program, grew it um, by a lot. Um, we, I started doing blogs. I started putting on seminars for people um, so that they could get information. And those, you could see a significant difference in people. There is something really powerful in being able to connect with other family caregivers. Because just like you and I have talked, you know, there are times when you, you know, sometimes you're not going to say things exactly perfectly. Um, sometimes you're battling emotions that you're afraid to share with some people. Um, and family caregivers understand that. Um, so I was really excited to be part of that program, to be able to have that opportunity and grow it. Um, unfortunately, the grant funding for the program ended. Um, mm. And I'll tell you a little bit about what my next steps were. But in the middle of that, um, at home, my brother moved in with us, um, who ended up having severe heart issues. So I was now a family caregiver for two people. And it wasn't planned. And it was, um, there were days that were tough. Um, that's to say the least. I mean, you know, I love my mom dearly. That wasn't the question, but you're, you're trying to juggle these things and it's, um, you're doing it from an emotional imbalance. Um, so that connection to other family caregivers was significant for me. And Ultimately, mom ended up with what we thought was pneumonia again, ended up being heart failure, but um, it was the last time that I would call 911. Um, and I will never forget that night. Um, it is etched in my memory forever. And um, I was thinking about it this morning. I remember the details of the fireman's face that showed up. Um, and I remember saying to them, are you sure you have to take her? because I knew at that moment that was it. She wasn't gonna come back home. Mm. Um, and she did ultimately, but that was um, to come home for her final days. So um, right after that, um, you know, and that's a, that's a really tough time. You know, you, you've just lost your father, now you're losing your mom, and you're, none of, A, none of it was supposed to happen. B, you know, your emotions are just thin. Very thin. Um, and right about the same time is when this program ended that I was um, that I was working for, for the family caregivers. So I thought to myself, well, you know, I can't just walk away from this. This is has too much of an impact. I see the difference that it's making on people. And I know the difference that it made for me. So I started breathing spaces. Um, I, I know there's a need out there. Family caregivers need support um, and they need it from a heart space. 
you know, um, breathing spaces goes and supports people in the ways that I feel like they need it. And from what I hear from, from the caregivers that have joined us, they do need this. Um, we, we talk about emotions. We, we look at emotions for people. We talk about energy, um, people's energy. You know, you get sapped. You're just mm -hmm. lost it. Um, time. Who's got time for anything? Seriously? You want me to do this when I've got to do all these other things? And how do you balance all that? How do you organize your time? And how do you organize your home for that matter? Because you're running in and out, right? Things get chaotic. Um, so we address those things. We talk about finding balance in your life um, because you truly do need that. Um, you've got to find a way to get balance. And I know when I say these things to people, sometimes they look at me like, I'm going to kill you right now. You really can't do any of those things. I come from a place of knowing. I understand it. I get it. And um, I work with a couple of folks um, that help me out with social media and some marketing things. And they're both family caregivers. Um, so I'm working with people who get it as well. Um, so what we do with Breathing Spaces is um, our core philosophy with Breathing Spaces. It is a family caregiver support. That's what we're all about, supporting family caregivers. And our philosophy is supporting people through movement, through nutrition, and through mindfulness. So movement, because you as a family caregiver have got to figure out how to take care of this vessel, you know, your own vessel. Um, because if you're not filling yourself up, you can't possibly think you're going to be able to take care of your loved one. So it's not selfish to practice self-care. It is imperative to practice. Yeah, I had a perfect example of that last week. As I mentioned, my husband went into the ER Monday night mm -hmm. and Tuesday morning he was, well, he was admitted Tuesday morning, I woke up and I'm like, Ugh, I didn't sleep well. And I normally go to the gym in the mornings. And I just like, I was afraid to go because on Tuesdays I do weight. It's a cardio weight class. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm tired. The risk of injury is obviously higher. I'm going to go see him this morning. And I did that. Then I did, you know, my normal routine in the afternoon. And then it took phenomenal amount of mental persuasion to take the same class in the evening you know because I'm I'm kind of a daylight person once it starts getting dark I'm you know my battery goes out I'm totally solar powered and I'm like I'm afraid if I go you know I'll be up late and then Wednesday will be all screwed up and I'm like, I really need to go, you know, ever since I turned 50, I've got extra weight that, you know, because I turned 50 and then all this nightmare started with my dad, like immediately. Mm. So, you know, I, I'm like, if I don't go, it's just one more day that I'm not working on trying to take off this extra weight. And I went and the gal that was teaching, she had seen my husband, my husband put it on Facebook. So she knew what was going on. I did the class. And about halfway to three quarters of the way through the class, I could just feel the stress just drained out of me. I was like, I am so glad I went. Yes, good for you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I came home and I had leftovers because he didn't eat 
the dinner that I made on Monday. So I had these healthy leftovers and I was, and I just, I had a nice evening. He and I talked and, you know, and I, I was, I was adamant about maintaining my schedule when my dad was on hospice and when he was in the hospital, cause it was the only thing keeping me sane. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because all these people wanted to call me in the hour, hour and a half that I was at the gym, you know, traveling back and forth to the gym and even the hospice people. Cause when we decided it was time for him for hospice, they, you know, I needed to go from my city to where they were at, which is about 30 minute drive. It's not super far, but you know how it is here in California. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you know, they were like, well, if you can be here by 11, well, the class is over at like 10, 15. Mm-hmm. And I don't generally go places after the gym until I've showered and dressed and gotten presentable. So in talking to them, they're like, you know, just get here as soon as you can. I'm thinking by the time I finish the class, go home, shower, dress, and grab a bite to eat, it's going to be like 1 o'clock, 1.30 before I can be over there. I'm, so I just called her back and I said, I'm leaving the gym. I'll be there in however long I thought it would take. And she's like, no, 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 you should, you should do your self-care. I'm like, it's not going to work today. <laughs> and I do have three golden retrievers, so there is always the walking the dogs at night exercise, so... That's my, good, though. I mean, it, you, you did it, right? I did. It was hard. I missed more days than I wanted to then, but I wasn't like a lot of people who just threw their hands up and said, I don't have time for this, or, oh, this is selfish, or why am I at the gym when my dad's at, you know, in the hospital, or, you know. I mean, I went and saw my husband when he was in the hospital, but I didn't spend hours there because I got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's... It, Truly, if you're not filling up your own tank, you're not going to be able to continue the journey. You know, I didn't, Jennifer. I was not good about self-care. So that's why I am the ultimate cheerleader of, guys, I understand what's going to happen to you if you don't. I understand the reasons that you don't, and I understand what what happens when you don't. Um, So I applaud you for being adamant about keeping that up. That's awesome. Good. It stems from... Uh, let's see, 11 years ago, I had a client who said, you're overweight. And I was, I weighed about 250 pounds and I'm five foot two. So people can, can do that mental picture in their head. Mm-hmm. You're overweight. You have a family history of diabetes. You're screwed. Mm-hmm. And this is where the Henri gene comes in. Cause I thought I'll show you screwed. And it took a lot of effort. It took constant determination to find the path that would take off the weight and keep it off. Mm -hmm. And I did really good for uh, three and a half years. And then I turned 50 and I came home from a birthday vacation. My dad ended up in the hospital. We were bouncing my poor mom and her dog around. And then he was on hospice. And let's see, my dad went on hospice January 12th, 2017. Our oldest dog died January 28th. My daughter moved out February 1st, which was a good thing because she was 25, so it was time. And then my dad died March 2nd, and we put my mom in memory care on March 16th. So the very beginning of 2017, needless to say, sucked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was horrible. And then we had to get their house ready to rent out and, you know, just, ugh. There's a lot to do. (laughs) It was was rough. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, moving her in memory care was horrible. Anytime I see somebody on social media that's going through that, you know, they know it's coming. I always throw out a DM and say, if you want to talk, it was a nightmare for us. 
Well, in part, you know, it is a nightmare, you know, because number one, and this is part of what we're doing um, in, in breathing spaces, we're bringing in trusted resources for people. Because number one, you get to that point and where are you gonna go? You know, how do you figure out what that next step is and who to go to? You're gonna go on to our friends at Google. Sorry, Google, love you, but you know, it's not, how can I really trust that, right? So that's part of what we're doing. We've got those uh, companies that sign on with us um, and you can see it on the website. We've got affiliates that sign up to do walks for us, to host those walks. Um, and I can talk more about that in a minute, those walks. Um, and those affiliates can be anything from, we have an elder care attorney that's on the website. Janice Carney is rocks. She is an amazing woman who is incredibly smart um, she talks about life planning, not just end of life planning. Um, so we've got people on there to help support. Bay Area Cancer Connections is on there. Those folks are up in Palo Alto supporting uh, breast and ovarian cancer patients. They are incredible. I can't begin to speak highly enough about them and what they do. So we reach out to either we reach out or, or companies come into us to become our affiliates so that when a caregiver sits down on our website, they go to a very easy, inspirational, easy to navigate place that gives them some inspiration and it gives them an opportunity to find those trusted resources that they're looking for. So that's imperative, you know, because we've got people literally across the globe. I've got people in Australia that are, <laughs> that are talking with us. So it's important to be able to give them as much as we possibly can, you know, because there's no, um, just like you were talking about, when you get to that point, that's a really tough point to be in. Um, and for us to be able to, um, we've got a, a closed Facebook group. You, I love the fact that you just joined us in there. And it's an opportunity for people to talk, family caregivers to talk in a trusted environment. You know, hey guys, I'm going through this with mom. Anybody else doing it? Yep, here's what I suggest you do. You know, that's really powerful, powerful support. Um, the other things that we're doing are those walks that I was talking about. So our affiliates sign on with us and they host the walks. It can be caregivers from any walk of life. I mean, you don't have to be caring for someone with dementia to be in a certain walk. It's family caregiving is family caregiving. That's all there is to it. Um, so people have an opportunity to join in those walks, get out for an hour. It's an hour leisurely walk. You get fresh air and you have the ability to talk to other family caregivers just like you and I could probably talk for three hours. You know? and <laughs> that happens in a lot of episodes. Yeah. Not three, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. There's something really powerful in, in that connection. Um, so those walks are really important. Um, and the seminars. We get together with affiliates and do seminars that are informational for people too. So it's all, everything that we're doing, you know, it, it comes back to that... Um, that one core thing of you can't do it alone. Um, you need to have support and there's, you know, it's really powerful support talking to other people. And again, being able to go to those affiliates. 
um, when you need it. So. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in an Alzheimer's caregiver support group through the Alzheimer's Association. Good, good. And then I get to talk to all kinds of people all the time, yeah. so I get the benefit of talking to people like you. So I'm I feel blessed that way. Yeah. Uh, my original thought with the podcast was I would share my knowledge for, for people with in the earliest stages or maybe recently diagnosed. And it didn't take too long for it to pivot away from that and into more of what it is now, which is more, I, I like to say it's, it's inspirational, informative, and supportive. Yes. Because there's, I have one episode that's going to come out the week of the 4th of July. And it was this gentleman who wrote a book on, I think it was called The Pathway Forward. It was all on this very religious meditation and how it helped he and his wife when she was in the earliest stages of Alzheimer's. And that's not my thing. <laughs> I read the book and I'm like, I'm glad this helped him, but that's not my thing. I, I can't quiet my brain enough to meditate. And it would take so many years to learn that, you know, and my mom is so far gone, it wouldn't help her at all. She'd have no clue what we were doing. But I'm like, there are people that that will help. Absolutely. Just because it's not my thing yeah. does not mean anything at all. Well, and we so. talk about, um, and you're absolutely right. You know, there are people who can meditate and it makes a huge difference for them. Um, I'm not particularly good at it, um, but we do teach mindfulness techniques for breathing spaces. And it can be really simple. Um, it can take you a minute to be able to get back into your own body. You know, we, we teach some of that during some of the seminars because really the only power that any of us ever have is in this particular moment. And we can't control anything that's going on around us. There's no way we're that good. Yeah. And the only thing that we can control is our response, right? And how we're responding and feeling. So, it's, it's something that we bring into light to be able to share with people about, you know, there's that moment that you do have control over and how to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think that the more that you're bringing out is huge. And um, we send out weekly newsletters um, that give out inspiration, information. Um, we share the affiliates that are on there. We show um, share products that we've got up on the website too that can help people out. Um, we just started a Friday weekend warrior um, email. So we spit out, um, send out uh, quick and easy recipes or last week I sent out this gardening video. Oh my gosh. You know that gardening can literally like shift your emotional perspective. Just being able to be outside and get your hands in the dirt and grow something. How fun is that? You know, <laughs> well, it's just little tidbits because like you're just saying, not everything is for everybody. So the, the broader perspective that you can give to people, the better. Mm -hmm. I love that you're doing that. It's good. Well, I had to use a technique that I, I try to keep in the top of my mind. It's amazing how life prevents you from doing that. I sat outside, I'm a photographer and I do portraits, but I also have an art photography website. And because of all the chaos with my husband in the hospital last week, I made these postcards to pass out for the art photography website. And I put the wrong web address on it. 
And so two thirds of the way through the first day, I am exhausted. I am hot. I am cranky. And I had a major meltdown and this strange old man was talking to me and I can, he had a very quiet voice and half of what he's half of what I could hear, which was about half of what he was saying was weird. And I finally said, you know what? I have a huge problem that I'm trying to deal with right now. You're just gonna have to excuse me. And I literally got up and walked away from him. But I, I was like, literally, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not coming back tomorrow. I've wasted this time. I've wasted my negative everywhere. Just like a negative volcano went off. Mm. And my husband's like, you know, it's not a waste of time. We can do this. We can do that. And I'm like, right. You know, you don't know what you can do at this point because if you do too much physical activity, you can't breathe and that's not good. And I thought, well, it's going to look really bad if I don't show up on Sunday. And I'm like, okay, just count your blessings. I'm like, neighbor took you, you know, packed all my stuff up, drove me down there, helped me set up the other neighbors, you know, they, they were going to pack me up and take me home. And the daughter helped and I didn't have to remind her 13 times via text message. So she's finally matured and it's like, yay, you know, we, we did it. She's a great adult. You know, she's handling her own life. And so I just, I literally sat there and just, I'm like, this blessing, this blessing, you know, yes, there's all this negative crap going on and yes, issues, but how much worse would it be if the neighbor with the truck didn't help or the neighbors that we walk dogs with didn't help or my daughter didn't help? So that's, that's what I try to do. I try to, I try to count the blessings, you know, like we're, we're lucky because mom is in a very good memory residence. Good. I don't have any concerns or qualms. I mean, none of them are perfect. She gives the caregiver who's supposed to help her with showers and dressing and all that. She gives that woman crap all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's frustrating, but you know, there's one that's a mile down from my house that a gal on my care, you know, my support group took her husband out of. And I had told her in the beginning, cause she was having a lot of trouble with them. There's a reason my mother is not a mile from me. I mean, I could literally walk there with the dogs. It's one of the directions we walk. Mm-hmm. I ride my bike past it two or three times a week. So it's like, no problem. Mm-hmm. It's at the bottom of a hill. It's, you know, worst case scenario, I drive the car, <laughs> you know, there's a reason she's not there. You know, she's about 10, 15 minutes away. So she's still close, but, you know, I, I have no qualms, you know, and I know we're lucky because she has the money to, to live the rest of her life there. Because yeah. like I said earlier, my sister has school-aged children. My husband and I are both self-employed. None of us have the capacity to pause our life for another 10 or 15 years to take care of mom. And I'm not sure, I know I couldn't, and I don't think my sister has the stamina or the mental strength to take care of my mom every day, all day. Because just getting her to change into a short sleeve shirt yesterday was like, <laughs> at one point she started putting the, the short sleeve shirt over the three quarter length shirt. I'm like, are you serious? So, Because I, I try very hard not to ever say, do this. Here, change into this shirt. That just makes her mad. So I, I was saying, oh, you were going to change shirts because it's hot outside. We're going to go out and watch the kids. Oh, okay. What am I doing? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I finally grabbed her shirt she was wearing. I'm like, change this. 
take this off, put that one on. (laughs) You know, if I had to deal with that every day, I would lose my mind, literally. One of us wouldn't survive a week. If it it comes to that point, you know, especially in needs um, and when it comes to dementia and Alzheimer's, that's a, that's a difficult journey. Um, and it's, you know, you, the, your loved ones need to be with someone who really knows what they're doing. Um, you know, they deserve that. Um, so, and it's, it's not like you were just saying that you knew that that other facility was not a good place to be, but people don't. So where do you go to find that? Um, you know, it's, it's not always easy to do that. So that's why, you know, we're vetting companies as best as we can before we bring them in. Um, like I said, companies are coming to us and we're going to companies. Um, but I, it, we really want people to be able to put their hands on something. And if they can't find it directly on there, then with, with hope, we'll be able to turn them in the right direction. You know, which is important. I went through a place for mom, mm-hmm. but I also knew... I knew of the places that were nearby because I've lived in this area of Contra Costa County my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I knew the place down the hill, meh, not such a great, I mean, it's not a horrible place, but it's, it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as light filled sunlight. It just wasn't as nice. Mm-hmm. And now I've heard, you know, they have more problems with the residents and the staff like this one gal the staff could not handle her husband. And it's like, but you guys should have all had this conversation before she moved him in. You know, why did they agree to take this person that they ended up not being able to handle? And he's not a problem too much where mom lives. Cause now he lives in the same place. My mom lives. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he's just a very tall person and he's very, very active. And so it's, a challenge because his mind doesn't allow him the freedom to be active the way he needs to be. So it's, it's a big challenge. It's definitely a tougher situation than I have with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying not to get too detailed because I don't want her to hear all of her story. Well, and the more that people can, people, all of us um, can plan ahead because at some point in our lives, something's going to shift. It's, you know, it's the way of the world. So the more planning that can happen, the better. Um, you know, the as I mentioned, those affiliates that we pull on, they run, they lead the walks, they host the walks, we coordinate everything, they host the walks. It's not so that they can do sales pitches, but it's there to be able to support family caregivers. So that you come to one of the walks and say, you know, blah blah blah, in home care company. What if this happens? What would I What would I do, or what would you do? So it gives you an opportunity to learn, um, mm-hmm. so that you're you can talk and gain support from people who know what they're doing. You know that's really powerful. So it's not in the ninth inning, right? Yeah. Where you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Here I am. Um, I mean, and if that happens too, hopefully you'll be able to find help through us anyway. But a decision by crisis is not fun. No. And that's where my sister and I were at. Yeah, I've had to do it. It's horrible. It's horrible. You get a little piece of paper from the hospital that says, here, go home with this. What? <laughs> what do you want me to do with that? It doesn't do anything for me, you know? It's a tough time. Is your- and I've, t- I've talked to people who have issues where 
their loved one's doctor doesn't, you know, they want to take the person living with dementia or Alzheimer's into the exam room and do what they need to do. And it's like, no, you can't, <laughs> you need me. Yes. And sometimes they, they get a lot of resistance, which, you know, that's something that hopefully with all of everything that, you know, you and I and various groups are doing, will teach people like, you know, my mom, we went to the neurologist very early on this year, 2019. And the neurologist is asking my mom questions and my mom is giving answers and I'm muttering under my breath. That's fantasy. That's baloney. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense because she had no idea if any of these an the answers sounded plausible, but I knew they were complete crap and I'm trying to be very quiet about it. So I don't upset my mom. Right. And I think she, you know, I never got the indication that she was listening or ignoring me. So I th I'm not really sure how she processed that. But when we got the new MRI test back, I just went. I'm like, I'm not bringing my mother to hear the results and, and discuss things because that's pointless. Mm -hmm. And she was a tiny bit surprised mom wasn't with me. And I'm like, no, it's it's not easy. And you bring her. And I said, if if there's more than a five minute wait, it's not pretty. Hard. Yeah. And so we chatted and I think she and I are on the same page, which is great. Oh, good. So I'm, I'm comfortable with her because I don't have any clue who my mom's previous neurologist was. I don't know why they can't look it up. Hmm. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, but regardless, we had to kind of start all over because she hadn't had any MRIs or any of the testing done for years. And I forgot what I was telling. I forgot. hate it when that happens. Well, <laughs> I wander away on a topic and I lose my you know, train of thought. Okay because you were talking about being a presence in your mom's, you know, as far as being in the. Oh, yeah. Teaching the, oh, yeah. you know, the medical profession that somebody with a memory issue. You can't separate them from their, their other, their care person. Well, it is because, absolutely when there's a memory issue, you can't, hands down. You have to be able to be there. But I did that with my mom. I did, Jennifer. I, For me, it was mom would come home and say, well, the doctor said everything's okay. <laughs> so at one point I said, hey, Ma, you know what? I, I'm not quite sure I understand everything. You know, would you mind if I went to the doctor with you? Because I just, I, I need to understand better and she said okay sure honey so you know I go into the <laughs> sorry mom um, I go into the appointment and she'd sit there and tell the nice doctor that everything was just fine and I'd sit there and look at her and go oh my gosh and I listened to the whole you know watch the whole movie have transpire and I said okay I'm gonna pay for this but you know what not the truth <laughs> yeah you know because it you know in, in their defense bless their hearts they don't you know they don't want anything to be wrong I don't want anything to be wrong with my body either you know but being able to have another set of ears too you know you know when you're sitting there um, listening to what's going on with your husband right for him to have just been there by a not a good idea you need your set of ears to be in the same room, right? To understand exactly what's going on. I've read for years that you should never, you should never go to the doctor alone yeah. for that, you know, because if you get 
I mean, first off, a lot of it's technical and a little bit challenging to understand. And if you get something that's distressing news or bad news, you know, your mind might shut down and somebody will say, well, what options were the doctors giving? And you just, you can't relate. In my very first episode, I talked to a woman who is um, living with younger onset Alzheimer's. She, it took... I think about two and a half years from her realizing something was wrong to being diagnosed. And one of the most important reasons is she actually did get diagnosed sooner rather than later, which two and a half years sounds like forever was because she and her husband went on a vacation together for two weeks. And that's when he, cause they both traveled a lot. So they weren't always together that many days in a row. And that's when he was like, Whoa, something is going on. So she couldn't tell the doctor what she didn't know. Like she would forget stuff. So she couldn't tell them what was going on. So when her husband started saying, you know, she would tell them what she was seeing and he would tell them what he was seeing. That's when they're like, whoa, something big is going on. And that's when it, you know, they go from one test and it takes a couple months to get the results. And, you know, it's just a very long drawn out process. But, you know, when they, she said when she got the diagnosis, it was, it was a relief. It was sad, but she was, she knew something was wrong for a long time. And that's one of the things she tells people is don't go to the doctor alone. Cause you don't know what you don't know. So I'm like, Oh, that's, that's very good advice. <laughs> sense because we go into fear mode, you know, mm-hmm. you hear that thing, you know, I just went through an MRI because my shoulder has been in so much pain. And ultimately, I've got a tear and I won't go into all that. But I know when I was sitting in the doctor's office, there was a moment that I thought, maybe I should have had somebody else in the room because I think I just checked out. You know, you hear the thing and you go. Yeah. Fortunately, my orthopedic is an amazing woman, so I'm good. But, you know, I understand it firsthand. You check out. You hear something, you leave the room. It's it's human, right? Yeah, and like with your shoulder, you might not realize that you've modified your activity, whereas somebody that lives with you could say, well, yeah, I'm always having to put stuff on the high shelf for her or, you know, she carries things lopsided. You know, again, you might not be 100% aware of what you're modifying because your shoulder's bothering you. I have a metal plate on my collarbone, so I'm familiar with that. Gosh. That's because I flew off my bike, slammed into the pavement. <laughs> Details. <laughs> yeah, man. The flight part was okay. It was the landing that was pretty bad. <laughs> and this is, I'm going to throw in a quick pitch for wearing bicycle helmets because I cracked my helmet all the way through oh, gosh, yeah. when I hit the ground. So you can only imagine what I would have done to my poor brain yeah. if, if I had survived because I hit the ground pretty hard. I mean, I was knocked out completely. So, yeah. I know they're ugly and they do terrible things to your hair, but wear them anyway, because yeah. you never know when something will happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to get scattered, you know, especially when you're in a point of um, either hearing bad news or you're stressed out, you know, just like some of the stuff that you're going through right now, it's so easy to not remember to do something. Um, you know, I, I, I see people all the time with, you know, doing the phone thing, right? Um, and especially I see it in cars and I just want to strangle people. I'm like, y'all, not only is it illegal, but you can't, 
you know, you, you have to concentrate on one thing at a time. And especially when you're filled, your life is filled with caring for someone, your stress is so high, you really have to pull it down to, I can only do this right this minute, period. As much as we want to do it all, and, you know, because you are probably like me, a multitasker, right? We've got all these things we've got to keep going. We've got to keep doing, right? But there's something really important about just being able to pull it in and say, this is what I'm doing right now, period, and then shift it. So That's why I'm, I'm really good at I go visit mom on Mondays after our rotary meeting. And I get home. I'm with her a couple between two and about two and a half hours generally, course the night hubby had to go to the er i was with her for three because we had gone to the pool to watch the kids and we waited walked around in the water i conned her into getting in the shower and then i washed her hair for her which you know that's the that's the one thing about caregiving it's like there are things i'm like oh that's never happening and the next thing you know you're helping your mom shower and wash her hair and it's like okay i swore this wasn't going to happen I know. <clears throat> but she'd been telling the caregiver, oh, no, no, no. And so I knew she hadn't had a shower for several days. I'm like, well, you know, we got in the chlorine. You know, it was a little hot, a little sweaty. So I said, oh, were you going to shower before dinner and wash off the sweat and the chlorine and all that stuff? And she's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And I was like, yes. Nice. <laughs> step one. <laughs> now just keep repeating that step until she's actually in the shower. Right. And, and then it was funny because as I was leaving, I told the director of the memory residence, I said, oh, hey. And she goes, oh, was something wrong? I'm like, no, actually, <laughs> good stuff. <Nice. laughs> I got mom in the shower. And I said, you could tell Kumba. I, I managed it. I got her hair washed. The whole girl, like, it's like, oh, that's great. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. And I wanted to go home and just do nothing. Yeah. Which is normally what I do Monday nights. The neighbors were a little surprised last night because a lot of times they'll swing by and like, hey, we're walking the dogs together. And it's like, uh, no, <laughs> no I'm brain dead. Yeah. Um, but last night, because we'd spent the time out in the sun and, you know, she just sits there and watches the kids and she tells me how much she likes to watch the kids. Oh, I love to watch the kids. You know, she just tells me that over and over. So I just lay there in the shade and just relax. I mean, it's not entirely relaxing, but... It's not bad, so. Yeah, but you're you know. still taking a little bit of time. You know, that's that's the thing. That's what we encourage people to do is whatever it looks like, whatever little bit you can do to try to fill that thing up, um, it's huge because you have to take advantage of it. Um, so good for you for doing that. It's important. You know, and it could be, you know, I talk to people whose days that, you know, the minute you put your feet on the floor, it's just nonstop. You understand that completely. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so get up an extra five minutes early. Just give yourself five minutes of sitting in bed. Everything's quiet. Just, you know, give yourself a few minutes of peace before you get into the race. You know, wherever you can find it, take it, you know, use it. Um, so I love that you were just kind of sitting around, hanging out in the shade. Good for you. And she was like, are you tired? I'm like, no, no, I'm just relaxing. Good. You know, because it's funny how that motherly instinct, you know, and she's obviously a grandmother also, it never goes away. You know, she was, and she does not have a clue because it gets a little challenging because we're sitting there and she's watching the kids. And there was one mom with a little girl that was probably three or four. 
And oh my gosh, they were having such a good time. And I was like, you know, I, I remember doing stuff like that with my daughter. So it was just like, oh, I enjoyed watching for a while. Excuse me. And my mom said, oh, I wish my children were here. <laughs> like, oh. Oh. <laughs> And what's funny is, and I, I haven't checked back in with my sister, but about three months ago, I talked to a gal who her theory is your loved one doesn't forget who you are. They lose the language skills to define that relationship. And I was like, Hmm, that's an interesting theory. That is not the case for my mom. And prior to our conversation, I was thinking on it, thinking on it, going, okay, could that be the case? You know? So I was kind of weighing her theory against what I believed. And I, asked my sister, does mom remember you? And she said, oh yeah, until about two weeks ago, she was still calling me by name. And I'm like, I have no clue the last time my mother remembered who my who I was or what my name was. But I attribute it to the fact that because I lost a hundred pounds, I look nothing like the person that's in her mind. So, you know, because it, it happened gradually. It's like, I've talked to people who like one gal, she literally said her mom forgot who she was in 10 minutes. You know, she acknowledged that she said, Sandy didn't come home from school. And she goes, mom, I'm Sandy. She goes, I know you're Sandy, but I want little Sandy. Like, oh, that sounds traumatizing. So I never went through any of that, but I get the comments like, oh, it'd be so nice if my children were here. (laughs) It's like, what the hell am I? (laughs) Right. It's hard though, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of stings and it's like, I don't. I don't take it as an insult, but it stings because it's just like a really strong reminder of what's going on. I mean, visually, you can tell that she's not 100%. She doesn't comb her hair the way she, you know, she combs it straight down. It's not the way she wore it at all. And you can just tell. She's so far along in the disease that she she looks confused. You know, when they're in the earlier and the middle stages, it's easy to you know, pass for not having a cognitive issue, but she doesn't pass anymore. (laughs) And she walks behind me whenever we're going someplace because her visual processing is so bad that she literally like trails behind me. Like, you know, we're like in some third world country where the old lady's got to follow behind, (laughs) And it makes me crazy, but I know it's because she, that's the only way she can see me. So I accept it, but it's like, you know, it kind of feels bad because people see her trailing behind me and they're like, geez, can't she wait for her mom to catch up? It's like, I can, but she's not going to walk next to me. And she won't walk elbow and elbow. She hates that. I don't know why. I don't, you know, she does not hold my hand. Even if it's a treacherous, you know, if we end up in some, you know, unlevel surface and I want to help her so she doesn't fall, she hates it. It's just really crazy. But that's got to be hard. It, has it is because, you know, I like to take her out if we, you know, now, like I said, the kids are out of school, so it's easy to go places and find kids to watch. And I've made the comment many times that we were leaving her residence one day and the gals were like, oh, where are you guys going? And I said, oh, we're going to go find some kids to watch. And I was like, oh, geez, <laughs> that sounds a little bit strange. Yeah. You know, I mean, people watching is a normal statement. Well, and I like the, you know, one of the reasons 
part of one of the reasons why we do our walks. And hopefully one day we'll get up and start doing walks around you. Um, I'd love to have you join us. It's, you know, it's really helpful to be able to hear things like this, right? Because mm-hmm. even for me to hear some of the things that you've talked about, I thought, wow, I wouldn't have thought about that. You know, people get to share that kind of thing mm-hmm. you know, and get to share that, you know, it doesn't feel good. And it's really powerful to be able to share that with other people and let other people know that it's okay to have those feelings. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. Very important. It uh, definitely is. And I wouldn't mind hosting one of those walks up here. I love that. We have a, a, a large outdoor mall that would probably, it's all flat. Cause I'm trying to think of where, where, you know, we've, Oh, well this town, how many parks do we have? We have a ridiculous number of parks. I think it's over a hundred, 66,000 people in town and a hundred parks. Wow. I don't know why we have so many parks wow. and that doesn't even include the read. Those are city parks. Because then we have, you know, the East Bay Regional Park District parks that are close spots. Like, hey, we cherish our open space awesome. out here. Yeah, that's awesome, though, that you've got so many parks up there. Yeah, we'll, we'll so there's talk. a lot of options. Yeah, we'll talk offline. Maybe we can get, um, if we can talk to um, some affiliates up there, maybe some folks that would like to sign on. Because a lot of times people, companies want to sign on, but they don't have someone to necessarily lead the walk for them. Um, like Bay Area Cancer Connections, they've got folks that volunteer to cover the walks. So, and you would certainly, gosh, you'd be an inspiration to have people around. So we'll talk offline. Okie dokie. Yeah. So tell all the listeners, and I will make sure all these are in the show notes so that they can just click the link, but give everybody the web address and the Facebook page so they okay. can get started once they're done listening to us. Okay. So it's... Uh, on Facebook, it's Breathing Spaces Family Caregiver Support. And uh, the website is Breathing Spaces C for Family Caregiver.com. So Breathing Spaces FC.com. Yeah. Awesome. Hear from you. I'm really glad we had this opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I want to remind you. If you need help right this minute, you have a question you need answered right now, you can contact the Alzheimer's Association 24-7 hotline. Their phone number is 1-800-272-3900. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday.